Sassy Soxy. Good morning, Tam Tam. How has your week been in week 94 of quarantine? <laughs> Is it ever going to be over? Now we're like in the summer. So it's like a whole different ball I'm field, you know? It's like afraid because things yeah. are starting to open up and people are not wearing masks and they're eating out no. and kids are having play dates and. I'm just very happy staying in my insula bubble <laughs> on Zoom and talking to you and one of my favorite guests ever over <sighs> podcast. I don't even want to see you ever again during our podcast. Like, I'm good. I'm good. No, we're, we're, we're fine being socially distant. Yeah, it's fine. So today we have actually one of my favorite guests. I, I, I say that with the PLL people for some reason. Um, mm. Holly Marie Combs, she was is an icon and was an icon back in the day with Chom too. And I remember Uh when I first saw your face, it was so surreal to me because I was so obsessed with that show. It was like, how is my life? Like my art has now become my life. So thank you. And now you're talking to us. So you must be drinking too much wine to even uh, yeah. this. Can you pass them over? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I had no many I had no idea how many people I terrified on that show. I just thought that like everybody didn't want to talk to me. Yeah. It was really sad. And it's like, why did none of the girls want to talk to me? Oh no, it wasn't bad at all. I just did a, a, a wizard con with with Lindsay Shaw, who I thought was terribly oh, yeah uninterested in me like terribly i was like fuck she's kind of like a bitch like what is wrong with her right i mean like what the hell like what did i ever do to her and she finally like this how many years later a trillion decades later says she was like no i was so obsessed with you and i was so afraid to say anything stupid to you that i just said nothing and i was like oh that's yeah. so disappointing to me. <laughs> we even oh, had her in this whole relationship. <laughs> we had her on this podcast, Roxy and I, and she actually um, told us that during most of the show, she was heavily under the influence of drugs and alcohol and um, how she was suffering so much. And I mean, I could tell near the end of, of, of the seasons, I was like, you know, you can tell when someone's just not, not doing well. Um, right. But I just remember thinking, you know, I just wanted to hug her and say it's going to be okay. But that's the thing about, about our perception is we always think like, oh, like what the fuck did I do wrong? Like, why is that person such a bitch? But then yeah. they're, they're struggling as well, you know? So she was, she actually turned out to be such a lovely person and she was so open and so honest yeah. about everything. She was sort of like the dream podcast guest. Right. We're like, she was like an more, open book. <laughs> you guys know, so bad. It felt so bad. I was like, Jesus, maybe I should have like, you know, cause I, you know, I'm not terribly outgoing, but I should have been the grown up and like gone over and like introduced myself and said hi how are you how are you doing I mean she probably would have ended up crying and I would have ruined the day anyway but you know (laughs) it would have been worth the effort yeah so Holly who were you closest to then on set at uh pretty little pretty little liars Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know it's funny you know it it was definitely Lucy um for sure but now Mm -hmm. I've gotten incredibly close with the wine mom since we're yes yes Holy mackerel. I mean, the behind the scenes issues of our ladies and what we've been through in life are just like, I keep telling them, you know, cause it's like a rewatch podcast, but I was like, you know, the wealth and the wealth of information is mm-hmm. in within our stories, you know, yeah. cause we're, we're actually Leslie Farah and Nia Peoples and I were actually pretty private people you know, still after, you know, 30 years in this business. Mm -hmm. And so people don't know a lot about us, especially combined. And uh, I keep trying to get them to tell more stories and and Leslie keeps (laughs) trying to keep me in the target. So that's basically how our days go. That's the problem with having a podcast. Like I realized that I was like, oh, it's only like a few people listening, right? (laughs) And I think on our first episode, I was like, oh, I love this sex position. Like, this is how I lost my virginity on the stairs of my parents' like house. And and I'm like, oh, I'm just talking to Roxy, shooting the shit. We're having champagne. I was like, holy Uh, balls. I was like, so many people are now going to know how I lost my virginity uh, and the fact that I didn't want to lose it for so long. So I did it up a different, different way. (laughs) different hole <laughs> i didn't say that you said that <laughs> i was trying to be pc i'm like yeah um but i was like you don't you forget that everyone listens i now know yeah i now know when they lost their virginity you know i was smart enough to say no comment 
you know, but there's this very deceptive, like, you know, intimacy that you're just like, Oh, we're just hanging out talking. And then you're like, Oh crap. Did I really just say that? So yeah. I mean, I know how Nia and her daughter lost her virginity and we're (laughs) only like week three. Is there anything you regret saying on your podcast? Like, is there anything where you're like, Oh, why did I say that? Like, can I take it back? Not yet. There's always time. There's always time. <laughs> but I also, I don't listen to the fin- final edits because I'm just so overhearing myself talk that I can't yeah. bear it anymore. But I did threaten my children's lives. I think I did get in a fight with my husband like while the mic was on. Oh no. And I'm like standing at my office door going, listen, if you're not going to do it, then I will do it. Do I need to do it? Do I go do I everybody's devices because you can't do it. You just need me to be the bad guy. Don't you? Don't you? And I was yeah. like, oh, shit. Hi, I'll be right there. Haven't you guys done that over Zoom? I'm like, I'm always oh. like, I forget that my daughter knows how to unmute and I'm like, you're being a fucking asshole. Yeah, and all of a sudden, like, oh, hi. Hi, hi, Mrs. Is Elise. Oh, hi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for everything. I, I did that. That was, you know, I was just like, the TV oh, was yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, you just, oh yeah. yeah that, that has happened for, for sure. Like literally because we have four kids that were like doing homeschool mm. at different points of the day, anybody was on a zoom. So mm. everything that's ever been said in my house for the last <laughs> no. few months has been heard by somebody's teacher and because yeah. they're all in different rooms of the house like upstairs, downstairs. There's just like, literally it's beyond big Brother is listening. It's like the whole school district knows the <laughs> of my life now. And it's like, whatever. Roxy was nude. Yeah. I was naked. I did not know the zoom was on and I'd come out of the shower. My daughter was doing zoom for school. And I just, you know, I'm like, you know, the, the story where I'm just like walking behind her, like had no idea <laughs> that the camera was on freaking mortified like every time I look at her teacher yeah. now I'm like know, she's like she's seen what three months of not waxing <laughs> looks like and not working out yeah it's pretty scary or the fact that like you know it's all patchy down there because like you yeah. know like you wax or you or you do electrolysis but you've always got like a little bit you got to get rid of and now it's just like it's the wild wild west down there I'm like whatever he ain't going anywhere he's stuck he can't get he's the virus stuck. from someone else <laughs> he can't divorce you based on a bikini wax no there's <laughs> No, there's no bikini. I don't even know where my bikini starts. It's just, it's just a disaster. Truly, truly the only person I miss is my waxer. Like, I don't care oh. if I have gray hair there or here or anywhere. Like, I don't need to get my hair colored. But, you know, the waxing is just not something you could do with yourself oh. and shouldn't. And don't advise oh. it. Oh my I've God. Girlfriends that have been scarred for life. I know. It's just oh. not worth it. Yeah. No, it's really not. It's really not. So how was homeschooling for you? I mean, were you like the patient, like homeschooling teacher or were you the one that's like cracking vodka at noon? Like I was <laughs> literally, I mean, with our Wi-Fi situation, everybody was like yelling at what tests they had. We had one graduating from high school. We had one graduating from fifth grade. We had oh one that gosh. somehow figured out how to be absent from his own room. Uh-oh. And I was like, I just disappeared. <laughs> how are you absent from your own bed? Like, give me a break. It says like unverified absence Friday. I was like, how do you do that? I was like, literally, you're like truant from your own life. He's the one that's supposed to be driving soon. So I'm like, you're uh, never going to drive if you're absent from your own life. I'm sorry. I can't. (laughs) So going back to you saying that, like, you've never told some of the stories as you have on your podcast what is the naughtiest story that ever happened on Charmed? You have to, you have to now. Yes. It was past. We're, we're past it by so many years. <laughs> you can you say know, the thing. You have you to, to. You can say the thing. Holly, give us a juice. There's <laughs> another glass of wine. You can say yeah, the yeah, things. Yeah. There's so many. There's so many because we were there for so long. Right. And so long in a day that um, nine months out of the year for eight years, there's lots and lots of stories. But, you know, there were times when like people were dating other people's husbands from the <gasps> show. So it's okay. like, okay, this is my person that she, he's actually going home with another person. <gasps> and so like he'd show up in the morning, we have to do like a makeout scene or, and, and I'd be like, dude, 
way too much DNA mm. being transferred here. Go get the Listerine. Don't come out of the makeup trailer until you have the Listerine. And then if you could shower in your trailer, then I'll meet you on set. But so wait, so then, he was, like, someone yeah. was going home with one character, but then having to kiss yes. another character for yes. work. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so it's, it's almost like every it. yeah, so everyone was yeah. that's not very right. good right now for COVID nineteen. But um, happened, <laughs> this happened with two on set relationships that became offset relationships with somebody else. So Ooh. I mean just way too much DNA swapping. Oh, way, God. way, way too much. But you guys are in lot. your twenties, right? When you're in your twenties, everyone like kind you of like hooks up and yeah, runs does around. naughty things and right. Like I, I married the key grip from that show. So I just, <laughs> had fun. I had zero fun. But if you married the key grip, does that mean you're having sex in the trailer? No, my God, it was far <laughs> too professional. My co-stars were, they could give no fucks. Yeah. I, he was far too professional. Like there were times he wouldn't even like sit next to me at lunch. And I was like, seriously, <gasps> like people, <laughs> like there's <laughs> a brain. Yeah. <laughs> and also the trailers are kind of dirty you know what i mean they're like oh uh, yeah not cute so you mentioned your co-stars what was it like working with shannon doherty i know you gotta yeah. tell the truth tell us, don't, tell us. don't worry it's only us it's only us <laughs> yeah it's just girls it's just the girlfriends um, yeah, it's just us. So actually we were we were friends since i was 19 so I knew her very well. And doing the okay. show together, she actually sort of, with Aaron Spelling, she championed for me to get the job because the network wanted to go in another direction. Uh-huh. I was actually told after I tested, because um, I had gone through the channels of like, you know, auditioning and callbacks and getting a network and then having network ruminate over it. Um, you know, I was told by the network that I didn't have the star power that Shannon did. Uh, wow. Oh my God. Really not sure what that means. <laughs> I'm, yeah. still, I'm still trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually Aaron Spelling went to bat for me and was very much like, well, this is my show. These are my girls. They, mm-hmm. They're playing sisters. And, um, if you don't want her to be the show, I'll take her somewhere else and make her a star there. And then Shannon was like, yeah, me too. And I was like, oh, wow. Jesus, this is terrible. This is terrible. <laughs> they're like derailing me. It's just, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't yeah. feel good whatsoever. Um, and so Shannon is like, she, Ch- Shannon is incredibly dedicated to whatever it is she's doing. Like whether it's scrubbing her floor or gardening or making dinner or working or stunts or wardrobe or, you know, hitting her market saying her lines, she's like incredibly dedicated. Mm. And she can get impatient with people who are not as dedicated as her, mm-hmm. um, and, which was often me. And, and could be anybody else. It was good in the beginning to work with somebody I knew because we had a rapport and we had a chemistry mm-hmm. that was already there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually got to get her to be goofier than she had ever been before mm-hmm. because she was comfortable and she was funny and she loosened up a little bit. And she was able to pull, she actually directed a few of our episodes, I think. She was actually able to pull more emotional depth out of me not in a nice way though not like but in a torturous way like she would look at me after I'd like cried my eyes out and like died from getting shot or something like that and she would say you can do that better oh my god and I'd be like wow Hannah but Hannah and she'd be like no you can do that better I know you can I was like but do you do you really know I can maybe that's just it maybe that's all I have to give and she's like no you can do it better. Do you think it was out of like actual care for you? Or do you think she was? Oh, yeah. just no, it, was, it, was, yeah. it was a familiarity, but it's okay. also like, you know, that overachieving in her. And, right. um, you know, she wanted to do shots that nobody had done and technocrane stuff that nobody had done on the show yet. And definitely make me die in a way that uh-huh. I hadn't died yet. So. so was she like a girl's girl? Like, was she like, you know, like kind of like that girl's girl for... Yeah, she's kind of both. She she okay. does have um she can hang with any of the guys and she is like she she does have very long-standing female relationships. So, okay. yeah. Why do you think people get such bad um what's the word? My mom brain reputations like yeah, reputations. reputations. Uh-huh. Like after you have the second kid you're like what's that word? Why do they get such bad reputations? Is it because that they actually have an opinion and probably back then if you had an opinion, especially being a woman. Yeah, being yeah. a woman it was considered yeah. too much like be in your place. Mm-hmm. Right, that's the problem. I have seen men act 
50 times to a hundred times worse than mm-hmm. what, you know, people thought her worst day was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, if a man had been doing and, and had been in the middle of, you know, being invested and taking control and voicing opinions, he would be called dedicated, mm-hmm. right. you know, but a woman will not, a woman will be called controlling. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's just the difference. Or micromanaging or bossy or. Yeah. Yeah. We're, you know, still, you know, we're on the tail end, I I hope, of that sort of mentality. But, you know, a man being in charge is being a boss and a woman trying to be in charge is being a bitch. Right. Still, you know, and hopefully that that tide is turning a little bit. It's just a really slow tide. Yeah. Yeah. Really slow. So slow. Very slow. Have you been in touch with her since she's been sick? Um, yeah, we were, uh, when she was first diagnosed, um, I was there with her and, and through the process we had, we, you know, our relationship has had very many ups and downs that Mm -hmm. people were not always ready to, um, but you know, we had a very long friendship considering who we were and the business that we were in. Um, Mm -hmm. so even though we're not in touch anymore, I'm mm-hmm. still very proud of our relationship and, and what we had and how long we, you know, we supported each other through divorces and marriages and yeah. sickness and mm-hmm. health and all of it. Um, and it's sometimes a, you just get a little too close. And we, a, we got to the point where we were too close. Oh, uh, yeah. It's such a pivotal um, moment in your life. Like, it, it, you know, 19, 20s, 21. It's, it's, it's where real friendships are formed, where you're trying to figure out a lot about mm-hmm. yourself. And those people that I spent time with when I first started in this business, you remember for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it, there are, they are definitely transformative years. And they're also so amplified being in the public eye. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're going through something that no one has, no one really understands except the people that you're around. And so it goes to my next question. You know, last, when we spoke on your podcast, you said that, you know, we, we all need to be appreciative, or I said that, of what we've had because you never know mm. your next show. How do you feel? Do you feel like you're always worried about the next gig or mm. have you let that go and you've let that control aspect of, you know your next big job just mm-hmm. dissipate? Yeah. You know, my, my career has always kind of ebb and flowed in a way where, you know, stuff just falls in my lap, you know, when I'm the least expecting it, you know, the mm-hmm. stuff that I really wanted hardcore, I never got. Right. Because of course. there's a sense of like, yeah, needed neediness and urgency in a room that produ- producers just don't want to see. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 sure. Right, Next. right. And literally, but it's the jobs that you don't really care about and the jobs like you have another one to get to or you have something else in your life to get to that those producers are like, wow, she had it. She has something. <laughs> something <laughs> yeah. All I have is another <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> yeah, like I got to get to the airport. Like I actually got to, uh, I got a movie when I was 18 because I said I had to go pick my stepfather up at the airport and they were like, well, wait, 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 can't you meet the director now? And I was like, no, no, I got to go pick him up at the airport. And I literally got the movie because the director was like, why does she not care about my movie? Right. Uh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it's just like, there is no rhyme or reason to it. Mm-hmm. it. You know, it can be a lot of luck. Of course, you always have to be ready to go, which I, I never am. You know, it's like, you know, one of uh, my guy actor friends is like, what can you do except be prepared, be in shape, be ready to go work at a moment's notice. Yeah. Um, which has happened to me a couple of times. I've, I've a couple of times I've been somebody's replacement. So they will call me and go, can you work on Wednesday? And I'm like, mm-hmm. excuse me, that's two days from now. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so no, I kind of, you know, I do have that sort of, every, I think every actor has that, that thing where they, they end a job and think they're never going to work again. Mm-hmm. And then people wonder why actors are crazy, but that's just the neurotic tendency of us all. But at the same time, I've had a couple of people in my life that have just looked at me, you know, directors that are really respected. And they've said to me, you know, you're good at what you do. You have to have faith that you're good in what you do and that you will work for the rest of your life if you want to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so when people kind of say that to you, that it, that helps a lot, mm-hmm. it's still hard to navigate the downtimes and, you know, the high times because... Mm-hmm. 
you know, if you don't have a life outside this, it can be all consuming and it can be crushing. You know, it can be crushing when you're not working at certain times in your life or if you have financial pressures, it can be crushing. And, you know, the nature of our business is, you know, she's too this, she's too that, she's not this, she's not that. You know, it's Mm -hmm. all descriptions of your physical appearance, Mm -hmm. mostly. Nobody ever says she's not experienced enough. Right. right. She's too good. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's just too, too good. good actor. Yeah. I know her resume is kind of flimsy. You know, it's yeah. like it's just not based on your work ever. So right. if you can't sort of like brush that off, it'll it'll drive you nutty. Um, and I think having an outside life, you know, whether it's hobbies or interests or another business or just like another approach to life or family. Like if you don't have that outside life, outside this inside life, uh-huh. then it just becomes torturous. And addictions seep in too. That's yeah. what we were saying with Lindsay. You know, she she was on a big show and then she was on this show and she wasn't working as much. And then you start to question yourself and then you need something to stop the noise in your head yeah. that just keeps talking to you in a negative way. And that's why I think it's so, you know, alcoholism and... And uh, drugs are rife in this business. Yeah, you can't check out. Yeah, I mean, they're like you know, you're anesthetizing yourself, right? right. You're, you're medicating yourself into feeling different than you've been feeling all day. It's like mm-hmm. you know, somebody just lots of people just want that switch that you can flip, mm-hmm. and you're like, I just don't want to feel this way anymore. And when you're waiting for a job or you get like bad feedback after bad feedback, you know, it can be a drag. You know, which is why I've never let any of my kids act yet. You know, they can, they can do whatever they want when they're 18. They can do, you know, I've I've worked my whole life to prepare college funds for them and stuff. They probably won't even use them. You know, that'll be the really, the fuck you to, to mom, um, in the end, which I'm so expecting from my children. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like even Jodie Foster went to college for God's sakes. Yeah. So Holly, how do you think, why did you sort of like maintain like above the fray and not fall into like the whole um, addiction and alcohol and drugs? Like, how did you kind of keep yourself out of that whole scene? You know, I can only say that to me, it was always a job, you know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't a life. And, you know, when I started, you know, as a kid, it was because Mm -hmm. it was a way for my family to make extra money. It wasn't because I was some performing little great artist that was like, I want to sing, I want to dance, I want to do commercials. I want to like, my agent put me in a commercial class and I at like probably 12 years old and I just wanted to die. Because there was all these cute kids, like big, bright smiles, like reading Crest commercial yeah, like yeah. pages. Yeah. And I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> it was so torturous. It was like, it literally was torture to me. And I was like, I just don't think this is my thing. Mm-hmm. But my mom had moved to New York when I was little, when I was eight. And she wanted to be an actress. And she wanted to, she ended up like doing hand modeling and all this stuff. And, and she was a person that was absolutely too thin skinned for it. Um, you know, but I had two teenage parents, you know, my, mm-hmm. my mom was 15, my dad was 17. So to me, everything was a job to make more money. It wasn't, you know, my life's passion. Right. Um, and then when I was 16, 17, and I finally like figured out what I wanted to do with school, I had this opportunity to go to a summer program for marine biology that was three college credits and, mm-hmm. you know, what was my dream? And even with the scholarship that I got, that I had worked a year to get, it was going to cost my parents $5,000. And so then I got an independent movie that was shooting over the summer and it was going to pay me $5,000. Mm-hmm. So I made that choice, you know, mm-hmm. so because it's always been just a job to me. It's been an in, a means to an end. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like, if I, if it doesn't succeed to me, it's like getting fired from McDonald's, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, whatever. I have to move on to something else, mm-hmm. but it has worked out for me in a way that as I got older, you know, and I wasn't like, you know, the teenager or the, whatever they expected more from my performance. Like I mm-hmm. had to grow right. being that teenage actress into an adult one. And that's not always an easy transition. And mm-hmm. so I sort of had to get serious about it and go, is this what you want to do? Is this what you're going to stay doing? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and at that point I got a pilot, I did a movie and I, I left from the movie and started a series the very next morning. Mm-hmm. So it was like the decision was made for me. And I mm-hmm. missed my last three months of high school because I was working yeah, and same. Half the time I was working nights. And so it was like the decision, you know, the destiny sort of made itself for me. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I sort of feel like it's, it's out of my hands. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I could be better or I could study or I could mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm not the most terribly ambitious person, which sounds terrible, <laughs> you know, but I'm not like, you know, I don't work out two hours a day or even two hours a month at this point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, I, I just, I take it as it comes and I try um, to just appreciate the experiences I've had within it, which have been wild and then figure out what it means to me from there. Because at this point, I'm able to do the marine biology stuff. I'm able mm-hmm. to be a sea shepherd. I'm able mm-hmm. to do all the environmental stuff that I wanted to do as a child because mm-hmm. now I can use you know, my platform for that mm-hmm. instead of um, just trying to find my next job. So there is like some roundabout meaning to it. It just yeah. took 33 years to get there. Mm-hmm. You said that your parents were how old when they had you? Uh, about 15, 17. Wow. See, I didn't Round know that about, about you. Yeah. Here, take a few. <laughs> Do you feel like you missed out? Being a child? Way, yeah. yeah. In certain ways of having young parents, but then you probably, yeah. you probably got so much as well. Like obviously when you're 15 and 17, you have so much energy and, yeah. um, um, but you're no, also I mean, don't, really, not. My grandmothers raised me, um, bless them both. My grandmothers raised me a lot of the time. Um, my mom was kicked out of high school when she was 15 because she was pregnant and they called it an insurance risk. Hmm. Um, so, but they offered her to go to their night school. Cause I guess apparently the night school has more insurance. It was mm-hmm. just bullshit. It was just bullshit because she, they didn't, the school didn't want the other kids to see a pregnant girl walking around the halls, right. mm-hmm. you know? So she had the whole mean girl stuff happen to her that pretty little liars had. She had like mm-hmm. slut written on her locker <gasps> and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and it, it was also 1973. So it was the year abortion was legalized. So it was quite the hotbed issue. Mm-hmm. And she actually had gone into a doctor's office with her mom and, and to have the procedure and actually oh my walked God. out. So you, oh my gosh, I think that within that split second that it was a decision for you to be here or not is, is something hard to wrap your head around. And how has that, has that affected you in any way? Like just thinking about that, like anything with your side? Um, I don't, you know, even though, you know, looking at the two of us, um, Uh you know, she's, she's head of animal control in El Paso right now. So she's kind of got to live my dream life. She's got to work with animals her whole life. Uh Um, but as much as we are a success story, it was really, really difficult for both of us to adjust to many different times of our life. And, you know, they were only married for three years. So um, she was a single mom. Um, She did end up getting remarried um, and was with somebody else for my formative years. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I have a great step family and stuff like that, but our, our family like system is very different than everybody mm-hmm. else's, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, because she was kicked out of high school, she always felt sort of, uh, less than everybody else. And so mm-hmm. she got her GED and decided to go to college and it took her about six years and she changed her major about four times and I wanted to kill her. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I sent her to college from the money I was mm-hmm. making from TV from pick offenses at the time. So, mm-hmm. Um, she got to do what she wanted. She, um, she graduated with a degree in psychology, which I'm not sure that she's <laughs> used that, but maybe she does with her, with her employees now. Um, but yeah, it's been a really interesting, I mean, we, we grew up more like sisters than right. anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, you know, to, to go back to what your question was before of like, why didn't I get stuck within the fray? Because I just mm-hmm. didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew there was not that my parents couldn't take care of me, but they just weren't qualified. So it's Mm -hmm. not like I had a family or another job or another education to fall back on. It was Mm -hmm. like, I was either going to do this right and, and take care of myself because Mm -hmm. nobody else was going to. You you didn't have any brothers or sisters, correct? You were the only one. Yeah. No, I was the only one. I was Mm -hmm. the only one. She got her tubes tied at about 18 because I was that impressive. (laughs) (laughs) You broke, very you broke early the mold. to decide you, broke the mold. you don't want any more kids. <laughs> I broke her mold. Her mold like, no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> what were your, because you have children, what was your birth? Like, because of your family life, you obviously mm-hmm. wanted to create a different one for your kids. Mm-hmm. So what was it like when you were pregnant? Was there any, you know, 
pain or loss of your childhood? I was very nervous that I wouldn't have a maternal instinct because right. I wasn't really taught one. You know, my mom and I were, were, were equals more than anything. And she, and she treated me like her equal, you know, she was, she was in a punk rock band when I was eight years old, you know? So I was in the bar, you know, sitting on the bar with a hell's angel as my babysitter. His name is Bear. His name is Bear, by the way. You know, so our, our whole life is so strange. And, you know, she, she played clubs in New York city when I was 16 and they'd be like, Holly's at the door. Can we let her in? She's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And she, they'd be like, well, she has like four friends with her that are all underage. And she's like, yeah, 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 it's fine. You know, it's like, like nothing about um, my life has ever been normal. So mm-hmm. to do this, you know, I got married, you know, and had a kid and I gave myself, you know, from 30 to 35 to have children mm-hmm. because uh, don't ask me why this was just something like I regimented <laughs> for myself. Cause they say once you hit 35, you're a geriatric pregnancy. And uh-huh. so like you're, you're, it's ingrained in you that you have to procreate before you're 35 right? or you're old or your mm-hmm. eggs are old. Yep. Right. Yeah. And you know, it, and I had been nothing but about my career up until like 29. And then I was like, okay, so from 30 to 35 is my timeline to have children. And then I don't know what possessed me to have three of them in that time. You're an overachiever. You're making, you're making up for it. You're like, I didn't have a sibling, so I'm going to yeah. create yeah. the experience I didn't have. Right. And I was still at the time, you know, number two on the call sheet. So I don't know what the hell I was thinking, oh my God. Um, but it, 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 it was just a regimented and, um, I was, I was super nervous, you know, that I was like, not going to, um, have that like maternal connection where I want to like knit booties and make baby food. Mm -hmm. And, um, I read every book. (laughs) Yeah, apparently. I don't know. I've seen it in pictures. Um, but literally like, you know, I bought every book that I could on parenting and mostly pregnancy because it's such a ridiculously wild ride to, to feel what's happening to your uh, body. And I was also side note at the time, I was super nervous about my pregnancy because there was a time in my early twenties where they told me I wouldn't be able to have kids because I had a gigantic fibroid, uh, uterine fibroid when I was 24 and it was taken out during the first season of Charmed. Um, we actually had to shut down for three weeks for me to have this surgery. And, um, there was a lot of scar tissue and there was, you know, weak spots. So they said, you, you know, there's, you may have a really difficult time having, you know, kids or getting pregnant. And we just want you to know that before the surgery, but before the surgery, I mean, they were taking it out because it was the size of, what did they say it was like the size of an orange? Um, and they were taking it out cause they thought it might be cancer. So, uh, I was, went into the surgery thinking, well, if it's not cancer, like I'm, you know, great. I'm not going to worry about if I have kids or not, you know, mm-hmm. because at this point I just don't want to die. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, Alyssa was the first one, Alyssa Milano was the first one to look at me and go, baby, it's not cancer. And I was like, nobody knows that. She's like, baby, no, it's not cancer. Trust me. It's not cancer. If, if, if it was cancer, you would smell differently to me. Oh my God. <laughs> She's like the cancer detector. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm gonna, like I'm going to smell like I'm dying. What are you saying? You know, it would be she, more odorous. She was, she was actually really sweet about it. Like when I woke up, you know, in the hospital, she was like, she was trying to get in my bed mm-hmm. and I'm like, you're on my catheter tube and like, I appreciate <laughs> you, but you're on my tube. And like her mom had like shopped for me for the week and made me a homemade soup. And it was like, so really during that first year of charm where Alyssa and I bonded like gangbusters. Yeah. Um, and so when I found out I was pregnant, it wasn't like we were trying, but it wasn't obviously like we weren't trying either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was super nervous about, is this going to, is my body going to be able to handle this, you know? And, um, that was kind of the thing with each one of them. And I did, you know, I've, I've had miscarriages in between all of them. So, you know, it's, um, 
it's, it was a scary thing. And, you know, and, be, and being five foot two and a little person and then yeah, yeah, it's freaking, hard on your body is yeah, three babies in five years. And my last one, I was on, I was on bed rest. So oh my, my, my uterus really did go. No, thank you. I'm done. I, I, yeah. <laughs> How was it? How was it telling the network people too? Because there was a time when you, when a woman was pregnant who was an right, actor on TV, it wasn't like always welcomed. Like, so were they very like cool with it when you told them, or like, what was their reaction? There was, you know, funnily enough, we're not so huh? funny. Um, Hunter Tyler, I think is her name, had had yes, a, yes, that, that happened right before this, <gasps> the spelling show, and I was like, so I was super nervous. But the weird thing was that it happened, and I don't know what went on behind the scenes at Charm, but they had wrote in a fictional pregnancy for me the year before right. I was actually pregnant. So I had the fake belly. I was already a mom on the show. Mm-hmm. And so the very next season, you know, I said to my executive producer at the time, I was like, I just want you to know um, that I'm pregnant. And he goes, well, I just want you to know that you're a year too late. <laughs> And I went, no, sweetie, you were a year too early. Okay. Yeah. So that's how I ended up having two sons on the show instead of just the one. Yeah. When you said you had your miscarriages, do you, it's funny because I, I like to write and I still can't write about my miscarriages yet. And I don't know why the pain is so deep when it comes to miscarriage and not many people talk about it. Um, I think they don't talk about it because in a way I feel like people shame you if you have another child. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, why are you mourning a child that didn't come to be when you had your baby, right? You had your next baby. But I feel like those miscarriages are such a part of who you are as a person. And they're such like deep pain that it's almost hard to like talk about them. Do you feel mm-hmm. that way? Oh yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And, and definitely one of them happened during Charmed. And so mm-hmm. I had already told the producers again oh, that, you're that I was pregnant. And then I had to, then it had to be sort of publicly broadcast yeah. that she wasn't anymore, you know, you know, and it's just, um, it's a, it's a hard thing to go through as a woman because you feel almost like you failed mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a hard thing. Like you failed the baby that your body wasn't able to carry it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You, know, you always blame yourself and think there's something else you could have done differently when, you know, honestly, if you, you read the statistics of how, what all the things that have to go right within mm-hmm. a million trillion cells to make a baby, right. is just, mm-hmm. you know, it, which is why, you know, it is a gift and they do call it a miracle because there's just it so is. many things that have to go right at the right time for it to happen. Um, you know, and me having, not only did I have my first, uh, uh, fibroid surgery, but then I had, you know, all of these were C-sections. Same. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell Roxy this ever this story, but I had a best friend. I had a best friend. I've only ever had one, but she's (laughs) no, I had a best friend and, um, we had a falling out and I saw her at the movies and she had just given birth to her child. And I was bleeding from my miscarriage. (gasps) And I thought, Oh, this is like the worst experience of my life. It was just, everything came to a point and I was losing the baby as she was holding her new child. And I don't know, there was just like a moment and there was like, (sighs) how is it going to get better? Like Mm -hmm. how, how are we going to navigate this? But I do believe like, even in this time right now, it's like, it's all about resilience, isn't it? And it's all Mm -hmm. our stories and our pain that make us stronger. And I know it sounds Mm -hmm. trite to say that, but I I believe it. I believe that we are our scars. And my husband always says to me, like, you know, a scar has, it's something that's been cut, but yet it's everything around it has band together to make it even stronger. And that's Mm -hmm. what I feel about our stories and our, and our painful ones. And that's why this podcast means so much to me. And I'm sure Roxy, because, Mm -hmm. you know, you realize that you're not alone in some of these stories and Mm -hmm. um, everyone navigates it in pretty much the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and you, it, it does, it can be really lonely, especially, you know, if it's early on in the pregnancy and you didn't want to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did have one of those. And it's like, you know, at a certain point, whatever partner you're with at the time, their emotional capability to deal with it, you know, is different at different points in their lives too. Right. So I've absolutely gone through, you know, miscarriage alone. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's really hard to not have someone to, you know, it's not like you need somebody to say, I'm sorry, but you just need right. someone to say, I understand. And comfort you, you know? Yeah. So, and you're doing it also on a public stage, you know, and that can't be easy, easy either, you know? I was literally on stage. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I was, I was actually at work and, and uh-huh. I, I got a call from my doctor and I remember we were giving like one of the uh, cast members like a going away party because right. he was like, he was done for the season. So mm-hmm. like I got the call in my trailer that my, my hormones were going backwards instead of doubling like mm-hmm. they're supposed to. And so I knew it was, that was even worse because I knew it was going to happen. It was the right. anticipation of it happening was even worse. And then, you know, the, the show must go on. You have to walk out and, you know, smile and take pictures with everybody and oh. um, knowing that something, you know, terrible is happening inside of you. So it's, yeah, it can be very isolating. And, you know, I know just from my experience, like you never want to be like an emotional mess at work. No, definitely mm-hmm. not. Definitely not. Yeah. You're not allowed to. And I still feel no. that way. Yeah. So it was like, you have to put on a brave face on top of a brave face. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, um, yeah, it can be really polarizing. Mm-hmm. But you did mention you did have three wonderful kids in that time period, which was great. I had three boys. Three <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Head. So what what is the shittiest part about being a mom? Oh gosh. Well now that I She's like, where do I begin? Like actual shit? Do you mean actual <laughs> shit? Yeah, because shit I have you. a lot of shit stories. <laughs> I have a lot of shit stories still, for sure. Um it's you know, I'm telling you, anybody who had a teenager would never have a baby again because uh-huh. they just turn on you like some Tasmanian devil. Her. And you look at them and go, Who are you? And who do you think you are, more importantly? <laughs> Because, yeah, you know, I always, like, thought people were exaggerating when they were like, oh, teenagers get crazy and and they're Mm -hmm. rebellious. And I was like, come on, whatever. Like, you know, because I couldn't rebel against my Uh parents. Like, you know, I got a tattoo and I came home when I was 16. And literally my stepfather said to me, oh, I want one like that, too. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. No way. I was like, really? And my mom was like, yeah, I want one too, but I want it on my ankle. And I was like, you people are the worst. <laughs> You're supposed to get mad at you and like ground you. <laughs> I dated a guy. I was, I was 18 and he was 25 or something, uh, 28. And my dad wouldn't talk to me for like four months. And I had to communicate with him through letters. <laughs> That's how strict they were. Like I was like, cause I was on set, like you were at 17. So I'd be like, um, it's just, I'm in the last scene. They moved it to the last scene and we're going late. We're on second snack, second, second break, second meal. And I was like stooping the guy in his apartment and then going home going, sorry, mom, it was so late. I know my makeup's everywhere because it was just like such a big day. Meanwhile, I was doing very naughty things. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh <laughs> you need God. to have at least one time in your life where you do very naughty things. You have to. You have yeah. to be naughty. And that teenage, like that time of those years is the perfect time to do it. You what know, you do Roxy. Come I on. I was naughty. I was really bad. You guys, I would like sneak naughty. out, sneak out the window in my parents, like house. I would yeah. go like clubbing at like 15. You still do that with David. Oh, yeah. I do. With my husband now, I'm like, I'm like, shh, <laughs> tiptoeing out the window. Totally, totally being so naughty, like going out, drinking wine coolers, you know, dating older men. I think when, I think I had a similar story, Tam, when I was 17 or 18, I dated like a 31 year old guy and my parents were like, mortified and they were like, like do so not old. now we're it. like that wasn't yeah. that old <laughs> yeah, exactly. i'm like shit that's like i'd be a cougar now oh the good old days the good old days <laughs> but you were dating what a 31 year old and your parents were mad yeah they were like pissed they were like he absolutely cannot come over here they were like you cannot see him i'm like well technically i'm like 18 so i'm like an adult and they're like god right <laughs> Ben would have a coronary, like he would literally oh, yeah. just lay down and die. Because, die, right? Uh, my stepdaughter's mm. about to be 18 oh. in September, and he's just like, he has tried to keep her in such a bubble for so long. 
I don't want to see the awakening that's going to happen. Like when she actually no. does have like a real boyfriend and uh-huh. she's like, well, you know what? Mark so-and-so says, I mean, he's just going to lose it. He's just going to lose My it. My husband's like that too. He's like, oh, you know, they're never going to date. And I'm like, uh-huh. you know what? I hope that we have a relationship if they are ultimately sexually active, that they talk to me and they're right. safe and we communicate. Right. And like, I right. want to be the person that she goes to and goes, this happened and I didn't like it. Or, you know, I, 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 what do I do? And I'm scared. I want her to talk to me. I don't want her yeah. to feel like we're not a safe place for her. Um, cause she's going to do it anyway. That's the thing that yeah. I keep telling my husband, just because you say no. Yeah. doesn't da- mean our daughters are not going to go. Oh, fuel. Daddy says no. Yeah. That's more don't fuel for it. the fire. Well, that's yeah, more fuel. Yeah. Like, Screw yeah. that. I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> Right, but I'm also like I'm also like the super sleuth mom. Like I will go through your phone three times a day. I'm good like that. Really, like if you have like if you've moved a shoe in your closet, I will know. (laughs) I'm like that too. So I literally, like I've I've said to people, there was like a beer bottle missing once, and God knows I could have drank it myself. But I was like, listen, if either one of you two teenagers took the beer, I will fucking find it. So you can bring it You're scary. Or I will find it. And they're like, oh. uh, but yeah, I was like, it's better to be honest with me because if you lie to me and I find oh. out, then it's just how shit's going to hit the fan. Now, have you had that talk with them? Like the safe sex talk mm-hmm. and like all those things or. Yeah. You know, my, my son thinks he's, he's very mature and he likes to have the talk with me. He was actually staying with one of my girlfriends and she will remain nameless. Uh-huh. She was babysitting him for me. For, for like tell us, was tell like, us, tell us. What does her name rhyme with? He came home. He came Melissa home Milan- Manano. Melissa <laughs> <laughs> Manano. I literally looked in his room and I was like, where did you get these condoms from? And he was like, oh, your friend. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> You're oh, like, no. my friend is never coming over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My friends are having a conversation with them. But, you know, I do have really long life long friends that you know what fine if they feel more comfortable asking questions to them uh-huh. fine as long as they're asking the questions yeah. to someone mm-hmm. but like, did you guys grow up like being really safe though or did like you feel no. invincible when you're that yes. age? you're just like eh, yes. i'm not gonna get something eh, i'm not gonna get pregnant you do that because you know as i said my my parents were according to them which could mean nothing, but they were both virgins when I happened to their lives. So <laughs> you're the one time. I'm the one, time. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the one to, according to them, they could totally be lying to me, right. obviously. Uh, but yeah, they both said it was their first time and, and a baby happened. So, and you know, my mother was so just, she was a tomboy and she was like riding horses and she, she was doing all the things that you're not supposed to do when you're pregnant like eating Kentucky fried chicken, like, like, please don't, you know, like she had the yeah, worst diet. Yeah. And when she actually went into labor with me, she was cleaning out her horse's stall. Oh and I was God. like, not the auspicious oh beginnings that I'm like, what are you like married Jesus and Joseph right now? Like really? And, and she called her doctor and said, I just have a back pain. It's just this little pain in my back. And he was like, yeah, you should probably come in. And literally I was born in like two hours. Cause that's what happens oh. when you're young like that. It's just like, oh everything's just like your body's I'm... ready to give birth. Yeah. Because that's yeah. What, like yeah. our birth stories could not be more different. Like I almost, I know mine's like, oh, we shit. almost died. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like I'm, I'm watching like the blood pour out of my body into the machine uh, next to me. Yeah. Uh, not cool. Not cool. So yeah, speaking of- my, my third one, I was on bed rest. I want to say for two and a half months. And he still came five weeks early. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, super scary. Super scary. So speaking of uh, sexy times, what we were talking about a little bit mm. earlier, we've been talking about different people from PLL, and they've come on the show, and they've told us about the sex scenes. And they said, there's like, we're having like a little bit of a poll. So half of them have kissed whoever they were in their, their scene partner, open mouth, like yeah. an open mouth. French kiss and others and others did it. So how about you, Holly? Tell us. It's always been, I only got to make out with Chad. I think, no, they use your tongue. 
Because you should no, we don't use tongue. The tongue is restrained. <gasps> oh, <laughs> no, no, so no, you no, sorry, 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 sorry. You said the tongue is restrained. That makes me feel like you used a little bit of tongue, <laughs> but you restrained yourself from like a tongue latching. Is that yes. what you're saying? You're supposed to like that reflex, that, <laughs> that <bad laughs> reflex. You're supposed to be back there. But you're really like, you can't like do like, unless you're doing like 1940s, 50s kissing or like he kisses her and like swings her head around sideways. Like, you're, you're not going to like be convincing. And like, there has to be a slight opening. Uh-huh. But like I said, I only had one guy like ask me permission on the defenses about Jesse Christopher. He's like, so yeah. what are you okay with? Uh-huh. Are you okay with this? Are you okay with that? Are you okay with this? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's like type one, type two, type three. And I looked at him and I was like, nobody had ever asked me before. And I had done you know, kissing scenes before. And I was just like, I don't know, dude, just do it. Like I was so offended by the question. Like it was so choreographed that I was just like, I don't know. I can't talk about this. Just do it. So he did <laughs> stick the tongue more. in. It was more nerve wracking for me to like think about how are we going to choreograph this yeah. and what side his nose is going to be on the side of my face. And I was just like, just do it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. That's always weird. I lucked out. I mean, I didn't, no one ever stuck. Tam, and you so never I'm got the goods. Offended. You never got the goods. <laughs> no. Still time. There's still hopefully, time. Hopefully, it's, it's not over for me yet. You never know. Yeah. You never know. So have you, you felt that, that one co-star that you really don't like that just like aggressively kisses you, which is not ever fun. Oh, yeah. that doesn't sound fun. No. Yeah. But the chemistry is there sometimes, right? With other people, like you kind of get those butterflies. You feel it in your nether regions. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> At least, you know, I shouldn't say that, but like it tingles your body just is like, I don't know. <laughs> It feels like that. It's weird, Roxy. Imagine being an actress yeah. and you're meeting a guy and he's like, normally they're attractive and yeah. you're kissing him and you're like, huh, this mm. is an interesting job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is a weird job. <laughs> like, this is weird. Yeah, like, I've, I've gone through this experience with like real life partners that some of them are okay with it. Okay. Some of them are really not okay with it. Oh. And some of them are like, fuck it, do your thing. You know, um, and I know when I was married and working with my onset husband, who obviously had seen me do kissing scenes before we were together, it, in the end, he would make a big deal about walking off and stomping out like when oh. I had a kissing scene to do. And I was like, dude, we all picked our departments, okay? <laughs> <laughs> he knew what he was getting into. I mean, yeah, on. yeah, it was pretty funny, but yeah, no, there's been some, uh, there's been some parts even, uh-huh. um, and it's weird being, an, you know, when you're older, the sex scenes are not like necessarily like, you know, in the rain on a fire escape, really romantic, yeah. hot stuff. It's now it's like you're having sex and having a conversation about the kids going to the bus stop. Right. <laughs> strangely more intimate like i've read some of these scenes going wait a minute we're talking when we're doing this face to face like yeah no yeah no no yeah. so it's Talk not just me. like me that's reticent to do this kind of like roles anymore it's like you know and you know my husband now you know because i've had a few um, my now husband. And I want to talk about that. So you can't go before <laughs> yeah, we talk yeah. about that. So restaurant business. So he's kind of gone back and forth a bit about like being okay with it. Hmm. And then I'll tell him about this other role in this other scene, such as that one. And he's like, oh yeah, no, hell no. He's like, no. And, you know, he goes back and forth with like, oh sure, no, it's okay. I don't care. I don't care. I'm evolved. I'm evolved. <laughs> I'm good. Really I'm hot. good. Like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. sure. Sure, sure, Whatever. I'm super supportive, honey. Yeah. Okay. So your husband, I have to ask you before you go. So how did you know with the other husbands that it wasn't right? Like, when do you know? Yeah. This sounds like I'm asking for me. I'm not asking for me. Tamara wants to know. I'm not asking for me. We're great. No. I'm asking asking for for Roxy. Just kidding. I'm not. Um, But like, how did you know? Like, you were like, okay, this is just not working have a tendency to stay too long let's Mm. put it that way i definitely am one of those that like gives too many chances and i think it's because my parents were teenagers and because i didn't have a normal family like i have a tendency to stick with relationships and marriages you know longer than i should and the first one you know i married when i was 19 and we were together four years so clearly i had no frontal lobe at that point 
-hmm. And I was not fully developed in the brain department, (laughs) but you know, I still was trying to get on with my life and get, you know, get married and do all those grown up things that I, you know, I didn't have as a child. And, um, you know, it just, I was obviously too young and he obviously had too many drug problems and we just didn't work out. But with my, my second one, you know, we got married when I was 11 months pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was still doing that. Okay. This is what a family means. This is what you have to do to have a family and you have to be married and you have to put your everything into it. Mm -hmm. I did for, for quite a long time. I think we were together like 11 years. Um, but my barometer of, of when you've stayed too long and when it's like your time to, to gracefully exit is like, I always try to imagine I'm like, would it really bug me if he was with somebody else? Right. Like, if yes. it's like a cute blonde walking down the street, would it really bug me? And when you finally get to the point where you're like, nope. Fuck it, right? And it's like, yeah, it's time to jump ship. Like, no matter what you have invested, no matter if you have kids, like at that point, if you really just can't, that's like you're the barometer of like, yes, please go on, live your life uh-huh. and leave me alone. I would Lorena Bobbitt, my husband's penis, <laughs> if he even smelt another girl and was like, oh, that's hot, I would murder him. But maybe that's my own issues. Maybe I just need help. You know what? But that means you're still in love. That's a oh, fantastic really? barometer. Oh. Yes. So if you fight, you, it's if you fight every now and then, it means you're fighting for something, I guess, right? <laughs> you, could, you could always Lorena bob at him and then let him on his way. Yeah, I could just be like, you, you, I can't have you, so no one can. <laughs> right. No, see, the go. opposite of love is not hate. It's apathy. It's when you don't care anymore. Huh. Mm-hmm. Love and hate is a very fine line. <laughs> that's what I think. They're like, right. very, like very close versions of each other. Well, that's what we say too. In quarantine, it's like that, that line has gotten thinner and thinner and thinner right. because it's like, there are times when I'm like, hmm, divorce. Yeah, is this working? <laughs> when you don't give a fuck anymore, then there's trouble. Like yes. I've always said to my husband, like, don't, don't be upset if I'm yelling at you. You need to be really afraid if I get quiet, if I get quiet and I just don't seem to care, then there's really a real issue mm-hmm. because otherwise I'll fight you tooth and nail. Right. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Oh my gosh. So much, Holly, so much good you. stuff. We love you. Yes. Holly, you're so lovely. Thank you for coming on. Roxy, we haven't done this. I think we should uh, maybe do a Never Have I Ever real quick. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Can we it. do that? No, never yes. Have I Ever. Are we doing quarantine edition or are we just going to like let it fly and do any edition? Because I'm kind of thinking we're out of sort of out of quarantine right now. We're like now. half quarantining. Yeah. Okay. We we're just going to do an any edition. Okay. Let's okay. do it. Never Have I Ever had... FaceTime sex in my trailer. Oh, <gasps> yeah, no, never, never, never. No, you know what? I'm an older generation. A, so <laughs> when I had the body and the like mind to do that, and also that, there was no FaceTime. So, Ooh. I think that's probably why my my husband. I'm always like, do you want to FaceTime? He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's She's really like, a weird thing. Like, if I was at 25 and on location now, uh, of course. Yeah, it would be, yeah. norm. It would right. be totally normal. Right. But yeah, you know, 20 years ago. <laughs> you, Roxy, Ooh. have you? Um, No, because same thing. It's oh, like, we've been God. married for so long that <laughs> it's like... It's spicy. I know. I know. I get just We just get... St- you're right. You know, we just get straight to the point. It's like, let's just go do it. Don't you guys you remember I mean? having sex in the car? When's the last time you had sex in the car? Oh, if someone, so if, long if ago. Someone, it's like if someone, if Sean asked me to have sex in the car, I'd probably be like, that is so uncomfortable. I'm going to have a gear stick up my butt. Like, it's not, like, where do I put my leg? It's right. like, there's just too much stress. Like, no. No. It's probably, so- it's probably been three years, which is in the realm of this husband. So I'm yeah. cool. <laughs> I yeah. love it. We're also parents too. It's kind of like boring, but, um, okay. Well, no, that's probably the reason like we yeah. have more outside because there's kids in the house. It's not right. because it's cool or sexy. It's actually just practical right. <laughs> and more privacy outside. Absolutely. Ooh. Okay. So never have I ever Thought about one of my co-stars while I was having sex with one of my husbands. <gasps> oh, that's a good one. Mm. 
No, I can't say that I have. I mean, I love Brian Krause to death. I do, but he's like, he's like my, he's like my goofy brother. And I was with him for eight years. And I literally thought like, there's no way people will buy our chemistry because I just didn't feel any. Yeah. Like I would like, you know how you have like a scene that you get really nervous to do during the week. It would be like our kissing, like physical scenes for me. Like I'd be so freaked out about doing it. Not because of what it was, but, mm-hmm. but because I didn't know how to make it convincing. <laughs> <laughs> and people, and people like just soaked up that relationship and they were like, you taught me what love really is. And I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't get it. <laughs> and like, people are like, I aspire to have a relationship like that, you know, with my husband in the future. And I was like, like with your brother, like, <laughs> It was so terrible. And then I had Chad, who was a lovely human being, but he cheated on my character relentlessly. I know. What an (laughs) asshole. Yeah. Like, (laughs) fuck him. (laughs) Really been unlucky in the love department. You know, I've got a really good one. Never have I ever turned up on set, no matter when you started, because you started very young to like your whole history of being on set never have i ever turned up still drunk from the night before Ooh. no i absolutely have yeah younger when you're in your like mid-20s that's you're, no yeah. big deal yeah you're yeah. just like kind of drunk yeah yeah by noon you're recovered and you're like can i have a cheeseburger and you're yeah. fine yeah <laughs> like now 20 years later <laughs> it would take me three days to yeah <laughs> i remember i remember um I actually remember the episode. I think it was when Allison met me at the door and started yelling at me. But the night before, it was like a really big scene for me. I couldn't sleep and I was freaking out. You know when you can't sleep and you're like, oh my God, there's like five hours and there's four hours and there's three hours and there's two hours. So two hours before I was supposed to get up and be on set at 5.30, I took a Xanax. I took two and I passed out. I was so high from that Xanax <laughs> that entire day I'd slept two hours and I was like Xanaxed out. And I was like, Oh my God. And I've never taken it to sleep ever again. Like, I think the last time I took a Xanax was like seven years ago. I've never taken it again. Did you see my picture of you on my Instagram? Oh yeah. I was like, that's the day. No. <laughs> Thank goodness you had dark sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like Xanax is just, just, I mean, I don't know if anyone's taking it, but it's just, you just feel out of it. Like you don't feel like you can like really even yeah. affect anything. Yeah. It's not like Adderall where you're like, I'm really into the yeah. singing. <laughs> right. Okay. Keeping on the party vibe. Never have I ever gotten so wasted the night before that I didn't remember what I did the next day. Oh God. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, I'm, I, unfortunately I am from, I have German, American, Indian, um, Scottish, Irish. and me. like, I have all the, all the heritage that drinks well. I'm all of them. I'm all of them. So, you know, where there's been nights where like my six foot two husband is like passed out on the couch. I'm like, really, yeah. really, <laughs> really dude. Really? Yeah. No, like literally, like I just like, I have a hollow leg and it's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. Tammy, you were in Germany with us, right? The last time that we No, did. I think I drank one night because it was like a 26 buck an hour trip for like 48 <laughs> hours. So I was like, I don't know if I can feel like crap, um, but we're going back. Are you going back? Uh, yes, we're supposed to. Yes. I did too. Yes. Yeah, because we were supposed to do the second one. Yeah, you but that can't be pleasant. a stranger. Don't you dare be no, a stranger. Now I, I know will. that you drink wine. I haven't drank. I haven't drank in six <laughs> you months. Have to break your wine. I, I haven't drank in six months. But I will drink um, in Germany. I'll drink. Yeah, like literally, like that was like a, I, I did something like eleven cons last year. <gasps> so I feel like you know, you know how the cons go, where like everybody meets up in the bar after yeah. the really long day, and the only way you can decompress is to like sit at the bar with everybody else who did all these, these crazy things with you. And so literally, I think that was like a, a long run of where I had been. I had been, I think, away from home since December. Like I had done oh a convention in Toulouse and then I had a week in Paris and then we did Germany. And so like, I hadn't even been home. Like I was like this vagabond gypsy that just yeah. was going around with all these different TV show actors. 
And um, I remember seeing Ian Harding the last night when we were supposed to be leaving. And, you know, speaking of hollow legs, he does not have one. So Ian will, like, have, like, one glass, maybe one and a half glasses of wine, and he's hammered. That's me. I'm hammered. After two, I'm like, there's a stripper pole. If there's not, I will create one. (laughs) I I will take off any layer of clothing you would like. I'll probably make out with you. Whatever you want. Tequila made her do it. (sighs) Tequila made her do it. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Okay. Well, we're hanging out in Germany. Oh my God. You guys have to party down for sure. If the world goes back to normal. When the world (laughs) goes back to normal. I know. Well, thank you so much, Holly. Yes, I'm sure you Holly, have you're the best. more interesting things. Just kidding. I know. Yeah. And, She's like, I do. Yeah. For now. That's enough for the world to digest. <laughs> and um, Holly, Holly, let our audience know where we can, where they can find you. Yes. All the best places. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, we are doing the Pretty Little Wine Moms podcast because literally that's, you know, it came out of doing Leslie's podcast. She was doing a podcast with her husband Mm -hmm. that was about like quarantine and lockdown. And so the wine moms went and did one and the response was so ridiculous that we just decided to do our own and we're not doing anything else. God knows, except yelling at our kids. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to rewatch it and revisit it. And, you know, we've had an amazing response from people and still wanting to talk about the show. Yeah. It is streaming on HBO max. So it's, it's, it's super cool. Uh, I just got a message from Mandy line who wants to come on and Sarah Shepard is going to be on. She's actually, I'm super supposed to be or was supposed to have been writing a book for like the last four years. So I told Sarah Shepard about it and she was like, I'll ghostwrite for you. (laughs) I was like, what better deal? I mean, she wrote 17 Pretty Little Liars books in like no time like this. Amazing. Amazing. So there is that. Yeah. And I'm actually crazily enough because I have gone crazy being homebound Um, and I I don't get ambitious, but I do get sort of like, I have a million children to feed and to have to make money. Yeah. I'm actually launching a partnership with a hair care brand next week um, for, you know, because it's been like for a while, you know, people have always asked me about my hair and I've had long hair for every role I've ever played. It's amazing that they even think I play a different character with the same hairstyle every time. But I always say, well, you know, it's my dad's genetics, you know, it is what it is. Okay. So at this point, after three children and after 40, it is no longer my dad's genetics. Mm -hmm. Like now, like it needs some help and a trim. No one asks Um, about my hair. (laughs) Someone put on Instagram today. They're like, oh, you're doing your crazy, you're doing crazy hair for your like TikTok. And I was like, no, that's just my hair. Just what happens to my hair. And they wrote, oof. Oh, and I was like, um, thanks. Thanks a lot. Like, (laughs) this is just what happens on top of my head on a daily basis. But uh, we have actually a really cool curly hair line for ladies. Amazing. Well, send it away. Yeah. And what I really love about this company is that you can, you can be my marketing partner. Like it's literally like, uh, they allow women to go into business for themselves. So it's a really cool company that way. I like it a lot. And it's vegan. Whoop, whoop. I like a vegan. Nice. Awesome. Thank you so much. We, I'm kind of pissed off at myself that I didn't have more conversations with you because I was kind of lonely sometimes on (laughs) Pretty Liars. I know. Um, And now that I know you're so cool and like not a bitch, (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I would have like talked to you. (laughs) It's only been a decade. No biggie. It's only been a decade, but we can be friends now, at least on social media. Exactly. So. <laughs> or, or in Germany. <laughs> in Germany. And Roxy, where can you find us? So you can find us on Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women on Top Facebook on... No. Well, I can't not ever top. get this right, Holly. <laughs> you are Women hilarious. on Top podcast Park. on Facebook. And yes. I am Tamman Sursak. And I am Roxy Manning. And, and we, we are, are Women on Top. top. Oh, 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 o